Wow. How many of you want to be a kid again, right? I mean, do you remember like camps like that when you were a kid? If you got any age on you at all, they weren't like that, right? They were like Miss, you know, Miss Gillicuddy and a felt board or something going on. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't that. But uh, yeah, what a great team and and Pastor uh, Taylor Pike, who leads that week by week. Uh, what a great job and. And so, good to see you today. Good to see you. So thankful for each and every one of you and, and your commitment and what God is doing in your life. And I, I have some good words for you today. I was busy on my phone. Some people say, well, what's he doing over there? You know, well, I was actually had a word for the Lord for you, and I had to write it down because it was just so clear, and I was just like typing like crazy. It was constantly trying to correct my prophetic word, you know how it, you know, type, no, that's not it, no, that's the word, that's the word I want, you know, and, but, um, but let me, let me set this up a little bit, we, I, I wanted to take a few weeks and just talk about the blessing, what does it mean to be blessed of the Lord, to be in the blessing of God, and sometimes we live our lives so much in the natural realm that the supernatural realm only peeks in periodically and when it does, we love it, but we say, I wish I had more of that. And how do I get more of that in me? Remember, everything we do is not, you know, there's the natural dimension that we live in. But remember, the supernatural dimension is what God wants to bring to play in your life on a regular basis. And unless you're intentional about that, that doesn't happen. So I want to help you become more intentional. I also want to give you a good word if you feel like you've You've, you've wasted some time in your life. You've made some mistakes in your life. I've got a really good word for you. God's got, got your back. Amen? God has got your back. You know, we live with the guilt of yesterday, and God doesn't even know that exists because he says he washes all our sins away. It says he puts them as far as the east is from the west, puts them at the bottom of the ocean. I mean, think about the ways that God talks about your past. It's all in good things. And because we're fallen human beings, we're not perfect, we, we tend to kind of go back into that mode of trying to fix what we can't fix, feel guilty what we shouldn't feel guilty about because we've been forgiven. And this is, this is the only way you can really live the Christian life in its fullness. Because if you live with this cloud of doubt and guilt all the time, then you're never happy. It's hard to walk in the Spirit when you're not happy. So let me just say a couple of things. I'm going to talk about, um, you know, when we, we put a lot of emphasis on children and youth and young adults because children are a heritage of the Lord. They're a heritage. Think about that. There, there's something special there. And so here's a couple of thoughts to, to put in your mind. Generational blessings extend beyond your lifetime. When you are intentional in blessing a generation to come, it will, it will outlive you completely. But there has to be an intentionality about doing that. And we're going to kind of talk about how you can do that. One of the ways is by prayer and impartation. These are the primary avenues that God honors in order to generational, bring generational blessings. So what does that mean? That means when I'm praying for the next generation, whether they're my children or someone else's, 
whether they're unknown kids and you're just praying for them, there is a blessing that comes on them even if you never see the fruit of it. And sometimes we don't like to invest in things we don't see the fruit of, but the kingdom of God is different. You see, in the natural realm, you always want to invest in what you can see the return on, but in the spiritual realm, you invest in that which you may or may not see the return on. Many of you are alive today because somebody prayed for you. Many of you have been pulled out of the pit of hell because somebody prayed for you. Not about you. It's probably about somebody you don't even know. Impartation is something that I do intentionally. You'll see it in Scripture sometimes where they'll lay hands on someone and they'll bless them like Jacob did to his sons. He, he imparted on them a word or a blessing that they needed and that God prompted him to do. We tend to not do this that much because we think, well, I don't know how to do that or what does that mean? And I, and I really believe when you become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what he's saying, and he'll give you like a little word or he'll give you a little phrase, he'll give you something, and you might just say something like this. You know, I just feel like, and I don't know if this applies and you can discern it yourself with God, but I just feel like God has showed me this about you. What I have found is that those words that come like that from the Spirit are always positive. It's never like, hey, God, show me you're a mess and you're going to be wiped out and your family's all going to be ugly. And <laughs> Those are not really words from the Lord. Those are words that your, your, your opinion brought into a situation. What you want to do is say, if I really feel like I've got something here, you don't call it equal with the Word of God. Just say, this is what I feel like God is showing me in this situation. All right? Generational blessings can manifest. Now watch this. Generational blessings, they're going to go down the road, can manifest as material prosperity, favor, or success. One of the former members of our church who's now moved to another state told me one time a, a, an amazing story. He said, my great-grandfather was from Ireland. And he decided he wanted to come to America and make riches. And he was so greedy and so hungry for money that he decided he was going to get on a ship out of London and he was going to come to America and make his riches. But he got there late. He missed the boat. And the boat he missed was the Titanic. And it so shook him that he gave up that pursuit of money and moved to Papua New Guinea to be a missionary. And while he was there, he married a missionary. They then eventually did come to America, and without the greed and the intent of, of prosperity, he became very wealthy. And this is the interesting thing. That man said to me, every generation since my great-grandfather are Christians. None of them are not Christians, and all of them are prosperous. That's what I'm talking about where you can't plan it, but God has something sometimes in generations that happen that way. And so I could give you many examples of that that I've seen. You might see it in your own life. There's a blessing that comes, and you don't know how that blessing came. So generational blessings can manifest as material prosperity, favor, or success. 
Also, leaving a godly heritage is better than great wealth. Sometimes we get caught up in trusts and wills, and we should have those things. And we're starting to think, how do we pass on something to our children or our children's children? And that's good, and you should do all your planning and think your way through that. But remember, the greatest thing you can pass on is a godly heritage. Because if they have a godly heritage, they can position themselves in such a way that God indeed will bring favor and success and blessings to them. And even if great riches don't ever come to them, they have learned this matter of contentment in loving the Lord. This is what a godly heritage can do. Sometimes people are frustrated because they said, well, I I took my kid to church when he was little and now he doesn't want to go. Well, that's not building a godly heritage. That's probably dragging them when it was convenient for you to be there, but giving them the right of calendar. In other words, they're making the decisions about their days. And you see, training in righteousness is not an easy thing. That's why the the book of Deuteronomy says, when your kids get up, talk about the Lord. When they're at noon, talk about the Lord. When they go to sleep, talk about the Lord. Why? Because they forget and because they've got negative influences coming in their life, and you have to counter those. It's the only way you're going to do it. It's investment of time. So the word blessed, and we use this either blessed or blessed, um, in the Greek dictionary, it says this. This is the... The dimension of this word. It means to cause to prosper, to make happy, to bestow favor upon. It means to consecrate to holy purposes, to make successful, to make prosperous in temporal concerns pertaining to this life, to guard and to preserve. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good list. That's the kind of thing I want in my life. Amen? Do you want your life? I want to be blessed. I want God to cause those things to happen. So, and as I was sitting out there and the worship was going on, God just said, I, I've just got something for you to share. So I, I just wrote this. This has not been spell-checked properly, but it's, it's what God gave me and as fast as I could do it. I want you to hear it, and may, it may apply to you, okay? And if it does, you can just say, I receive that, Lord. The Lord showed me that there is coming a great transfer of generational wealth to many people at Influence. The Lord showed me that no one can stop what God is going to do. You will be enriched in every way. All that the enemy has done to discourage you and to break you will be reversed by the power of God. Position yourself to receive it. This is not from man. This is from the Lord. Now, I don't know if that sinks in you or maybe you'll say, wow, I need to remember that again. I need to go back and and listen to that again. But you see, sometimes when God will prompt somebody to speak over you, it may be for one or more people in the crowd. And it may, you may say, well, that doesn't have nothing to do with me. And then you'll get six months down the road, and you'll find some generational wealth that came to you. And you said, how did that happen? And then you'll go, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit spoke to me back then. Maybe that was me, and I didn't even know it. We had this happen a couple of years ago. I, I said, I really believe that God is going to, some of you, somebody in here has a business they're going to sell. They don't think it's even sellable. And, uh, and, and yet God is going to bring a, a buyer to you that in an unexpected way, an unexpected time. And when we were doing the campaign to buy the new building next door, um, I had a, a call from a guy and he said, hey, you remember that word? You, and I honestly did not even remember I did it. 
It had been like four years ago. He said, well, that's me. My business should not have sold. There was no way it could have sold. And yet it sold. And so I want to contribute $100,000 to this new building. And, you know, you, you, you look at those things, you think, well, it's even, it, the exciting thing is not about how much money it was. That, to me, that's secondary. What's exciting is that God is active in your life. He's active, and he wants to get more involved. He wants to speak more. He wants to bless more. He wants to bring more favor into your world. This is what it says in 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, what's interesting about this scripture is when you kind of take it apart in the Greek language, it's 3 John verse 2, he says that you may prosper. This is a word that's always tied to financial blessings. You say, well, can't you prosper in a lot of ways? Absolutely, but that's not what this word is talking about. And then it says, in all things you may prosper and be in good health. So now we're talking about your physical health. We're talking about financial, physical, and then it's talking about your soul, which has to do with your mental, your emotional, and your spiritual world. So you see that what God wants to do is God wants to make you complete in every way so that every dimension of your life falls under this great big banner of the blessing of God. That's what he wants for you. Now, you say, well, I haven't seen it. doesn't matter if you haven't seen it. God wants it for you, and you have to position yourself to receive it. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know that uh, the plans that I, I know what I have planned for you, says the Lord. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I have plans to give you a future filled with hope. You see, these are words that God has spoken, and they're words that you can embrace yourself. You can say, you know what? I'm going to write Jeremiah 29, 11 down. I'm going to memorize it. I'm going to ask that to become a reality in my life. What, are the, what do you want a reality? He says, God has a plan for me. You've gone down a path, and maybe the plan didn't work out. You started a business, and it didn't work out. You, you started dating somebody, it didn't work out. But God has a plan, too. That's why the Bible says many are the plans of men, but God directs the path. You say, well, I, this is where I'm going. You go that, God says, go that way all you want, but you're going to come back to me in about 10 minutes, right? Because that was your plan. And I think when you make your plan, which is fine, you have to submit it to the Lord and say, Lord, can you show me if this is your plan also? In other words, you want God's stamp of approval on your plan. Amen? So, Here's the big truth. God blesses, okay? This is what God does. God blesses. And we're going to jump into that from the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, and we're going to take it through some other verses. But listen to what it says. Rejoice in the Lord your God. You see, every plan that God wants to do, he wants you to start with acknowledgement of him and rejoicing in him. That's why the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord, Right? This is Psalm 37. And he will give you the desires of your heart. I, if I'm not rejoicing in God, if I'm bitter at God, God, I don't know what's wrong with you, but God, will you bless me? No, God's saying, let's flip that, that script a little bit. Let's go back to you have to be happy and know that I'm God. Even the Lord's prayer begins that way, doesn't it? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You see, it begins with an acknowledgement and respect for who God is. 
It says, rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain. In the first month, the threshing floors shall be full of wheat, the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. Now, let's take that verse apart a little bit because it talks about former rain. And there's a couple of applications on this. The first one would be this. God has blessed you in the past. Because he's blessed you in the past, you can have the assurance that he will bless you in the future. See, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible says. So the same God that blessed you yesterday is the same God's gonna bless you tomorrow. So what if he doesn't like me tomorrow? That's not the issue. God is in covenant What covenant means that God made an agreement with you. It's called the new covenant, the new agreement God has, and the blessings of God are unrestricted upon your life. He doesn't stop loving you because you act poorly. That's what your friend does. That's not what God does because God is in covenant. God does not break covenant with his people. When God says his word, this is the word of the covenant. When I give you, for example, Joel or Jeremiah or, or the book of Third John, I, what I'm giving you is covenant words that God holds himself to. He does not break covenant. You and I try to break covenant from time to time, but God does not break covenant. It's also different from a contract. We don't have a contract with God. We have a covenant with God. Contract is two equal parties trying to come up with a business deal. Covenant is, this kind of covenant is made by a superior to an inferior, and he sets all the terms, all we have to do to agree to it. So we say, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I will be saved. That's the covenant God said, now I'm saved. When do I stop being saved? You don't, because that's the covenant. God does not break covenant. See, and if you understand covenant, you understand how safe and how protected and how loved you are. It's when you think you're in a contract or you think you're in a business deal with God, you're not. You're in covenant with God. And this is so powerful. So you can look back on the blessings with gratitude. The first, it's another application, is the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit is called the former rain. So God brought the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. It was a first blessing Rain is always a symbol of abundance and a picture of the coming Holy Spirit. So when you see the the former rain, you know, well, God did something there at Pentecost. That's why the apostle Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost, recorded in the book of Acts, and he said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. This is that. Because what follows in the passage that, that we're going to read today is a passage that says, your sons and your daughters, they're going to prophesy. Your old men are gonna dream dreams. And it's this promise that there's a, there's a spirit of God now falling on the earth. But then it talks about a latter rain, and this is something in the future. So again, two applications. Number one, in the, in the former, there's a blessing that's been on our life. But also, in the latter rain, it's future. There's a blessing that God wants to do in the future. How many times have you had arguments about something that happened in the past? I mean, not with anyone you loved, I understand, but, but I mean, how many times have you had an argument with someone in the past, you absolutely could not change it? You can't change the past, but you will spend your life arguing about the past. 
Well, you did that and that. Well, yeah, okay, so what's the point? Let me know when I do it again. Amen? You see, and what we do is we forget God is never a God of the past, only by learning, but not by precedent. So what God says is, look, what I did in the past to lay a foundation for you to get to this place is one thing, but now I want you to know I want to do a new thing in your life. When the children of Israel in the wilderness, and they were 40 40 years in the wilderness, they'd left Egypt, and God said, I will provide for you manna every day. And this is this bread-like substance. It's going to come from heaven. And he said, just eat what you need for that day, and the next day I'll give you more. And so they went out there. They got the manna. They ate, and some of them tried to keep it. It didn't last. Then they griped at God. They said, we need meat. You know, we, we need a sandwich. So God sent quail, and he said, but only keep what's for the day. Don't, only eat fresh. Don't try to keep it. And some of them tried to keep it, and because of various things that happened, like lack of refrigeration, disease was there, and a lot of the people got sick, and then they blamed God. Because, But here's the principle. God wanted them to live in the present. Trust God every day in your life. You see, if you try to live too far in the future, you miss out on what God's doing today. And this is a key principle in Scripture. So look forward to future blessings with expectation, but also look forward to a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's coming in the last days. You see, we look at circumstances, we look at what's happening in America or our world, and we say, wow, there's some things here that are really challenging. But God looks at it and says, I'm setting this up for what I'm going to do in the last days. You get so caught up in the inconvenience of your day that you can't see what I'm doing in the days ahead. See, things aren't falling apart. They're falling in place. And you go, how can this be? How can this be of God? Have you read the Bible? God has got a lot of chapters in there where people got messed up by God. Nations got messed up. I mean, Daniel, he was a young man. He was taken captive by, you know, Babylon comes in. They, they take captives. They take the best, the youngest, the brightest. They take them back to Babylon. They basically make them servants and slaves. The kingdom of Israel falls. You go, well, that looks like a bad thing. It looks like a bad thing until you see the big picture of what God's up to. Don't get so focused on the tree in your backyard that you miss the forest. There's a big picture here God wants you to see. Well, how do I see it? Step back a little bit. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. This is the key. This is how you have to live your life. You say, well, I, I don't know how to, I just told you how to do it. Step back. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Are you ready? Lean not on your own understanding. You start leaning on your own understanding, you're going to get messed up. And then you're probably going to have pride come in. You think you're right, and you blame God because he didn't do what he said he was going to do, but you broke covenant with God. He didn't break with you. You broke covenant with God. You said, I'm going to be in control. Go ahead, but you're not going to like it. Second big truth is not only does God bless, but God heals. Look what it says in Joel 2.25. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust have eaten, the crawling, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. 
Now, for a lot of people, when they see God sent the locust into the land, they think, well, that's not fair. Do you realize that God is more concerned about your holiness than he is about your happiness? Daily happiness is what a dog has when he gets a bone or a pat on the head. Holiness is what brings you into joy. We've substituted happiness for joy, and we, under, we can't understand why we're not happy and joyful in our daily lives. It's because we're operating by a system that's faulty. Faulty system is a worldly system that says, you know, if everything goes my way, then I'm happy and I'm content. But you have to learn how to do hard better. You see, what really misses you up is you start living your life like, if I can just get through this, it's all going to be good. How many of you, I do that all the time. How many of you do that? If I just get through this week, man, I know it's going to be good. No, it won't. It's going to be hard again. You have to learn how to do hard better. And guess what? When you do that hard better, you'll learn how to do harder better. Because you have to keep progressing in and growing up as a human being. You have to grow maturity, right? So he talks about swarming locusts. Now, it's interesting. There's four different categories that Joel places here because there's four different kinds of of activity and and different kind of locusts that come in. The first one is swarming locusts. And the idea in this one is you're overwhelmed and devoured. They're swarming everywhere. If you've ever been in one of those situations where you see locusts come in, sometimes they've covered parts of Africa that are as big as Texas. Just, and they're just locusts. They're, they're, they're swarming everywhere. I mean, it, it's like everybody's worst nightmare. But you see, sometimes our problems are like swarming locusts. We're overwhelmed. We feel devoured. God, what am I going to, have you ever said this one? I don't know what I'm going to do. Anybody ever use that term? If you haven't, you will. The second one is crawling locusts. These are the ones that are consumed and you feel burnt up by them. They're stinging locusts. And so you just feel like I'm just getting eating, eaten alive in this situation and I, I just feel like I'm burned up, burnt out. I got nothing left. Then there's consuming locusts. These are the ones that are the crawlers and slow moving. You see them coming. You know, it's like a scene from a bad sci-fi movie. You know, here they come, whatever they are, zombies or whatever else, they're coming at you. They're only going like one mile an hour, but there's a million of them. And you know you can run three miles an hour for a couple of miles. And then the zombie's going to get you. Are you with me? I convinced my wife one night to watch Zombie Apocalypse. She did not like it. I think she lasted three minutes. Not the best movie. I'm not recommending the movie. But the idea is, have you ever had problems that are just slow moving? Just like, I know I'm dead. I just don't know when. I've had it. I just don't know when. This thing is going to get me. It's going to get me. It's going to get me. Right? It's like death by a thousand paper cuts. How do I get out of this situation? How about chewing locust? This is the idea of destructive and the finisher. Man, I can hang on two more minutes. Just chewing away, chewing away, the finisher. And this is what what was happening in Joel's day. 
If you begin to think about it, you, you can kind of put those in categories. Like you can look and say, you know, there's been years in my life that I've, have been wasted years. Wasted years in your life. Anybody ever wasted a year or wasted a month or wasted a week? You know, I'm not looking for confessions here, but, you know, <laughs> thank you, brother. I, I appreciate that. But looking back, you ask yourself, why did I use my time like that? I wasted some time. Why did I not appreciate what I had? They say that when you're on your deathbed, the one thing you'll do is you'll, you'll, you'll think about those who loved you and those who you love, and that becomes all-consuming. The two things you typically forget while you're alive, those who love you and those you love. And this, this rush to make more money or this rush to be busy can get eclipsed by that. It'll eclipse that which is powerful and meaningful in your life. Then there's the painful years. Years marked by just bad decisions. Sometimes you almost get proud of how many bad decisions you've made because you want to one-up the guy who made a bad decision. You tell you, you know, this is what I did. Oh, that's nothing. Man, I screwed up everybody in my deal. You only screwed up half the world. I screwed up the entire world. And then there's selfish years. Selfish years, too much time about me and not about others. We can do that really easy, can't we? You can be in such a hurry to leave church that you don't spend time talking to people who love you. You can, spend, you can get so hurried to be to the next thing that you don't take time to pray or to be ministered to. I can't tell you how many guys last year after we had the retreat said, I wish I would have gone. Regret, waste. Well, I said, what'd you do in its place? And I just stayed home. You see, you can't let your life operate that way. You have to say, what is the best, most strategic thing I can do with my time right now? And not be selfish about it. And then there's rebellious years. You know, some of us have had, had the prodigal time. You know, we just kind of said, I don't, I don't know about God. I don't know about church. Usually blame church, blame the preacher. Blame the music. Blame the temperature. I don't know. Blame, I got to blame somebody. But you see, what you want to do is you say, here's the good news is, the prodigal can always return, but he wasted a lot of time of blessing while he was away. You know when he came to his senses? When he ran out of food, when he ran out of money, when he ran out of friends. And then it says he found himself feeding the pigs, and he came to his senses. He said, you know, I think my father's servants are eating better than me, and here I am slopping pigs. Remember, it's a Jewish boy. He's not even supposed to be around pigs. The Jewish boy in slopping pigs, he goes like, and he came to his senses, and he said, I'm going to go back. He's, the father is waiting for him. He sees him coming, and he starts running toward the prodigal. How about that? It's not the father going, oh, no, he's back. <laughs> he comes running, and he tells the servants as he's running, bring the robe, bring the ring, kill the fatted calf, and bring the shoes. The boy says, father, I have sinned, and the father just eclipses all of that he says, and he says, this is my son that was lost and now is what? Found. That's the heart of a covenant God. Do you see it? That's covenant. That's not behavior. It's covenant. 
Listen to what Psalm 107, 20 says. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. You know how you get out of your mess? His word. This is what it says in Philippians 3. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press forward. I can't be going back. Oh, man, I tell you what, i got to recount the last 10 years of my disastrous life. Well, that's fine. Nobody wants to hear it, number one. It's not beneficial, number two, and it's not keeping in covenant with God. So you can go back there all you want. You can spend your life in history, or you can start making a new history with God. Amen? Make a new history. Write a new story. He says, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal. You gotta press into the goal. The goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I remember I was watching the Olympics one time, and there's these two guys running. You know, you know the difference between first and second, right? A gold and a silver in terms of time, most of the times it's uh, uh, uh. And I see this guy and he's running, he's so proud, and he's ahead. And then he sees a guy, he, he sees it right here. He's just like almost ready to finish it. And he sees this guy and he thinks, he takes his eye off the goal. He looks at that guy and the guy passes him. If you get distracted in the race, you'll miss out on the blessing. Amen? He says, so what do you do? To the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Then listen to this. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind, and if anything, anything think otherwise, God will reveal it to you. In other words, you gotta have the mind of Christ when you approach stuff like this. God promises. Listen to this next one. God promises. Joel 2.26 you shall eat plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people will never be put to shame. Now there's a lot in that verse right there, amen? You see, every minute, all the years that the locusts have eaten, are you with me? God can supernaturally restore you know that word restore? You know what the actual word is? It's the word shalom. God can bring you peace of mind about all the things you messed up on. I'd like to be able to look back without regret and say, I've got peace because God's gonna restore. Amen? Every minute spent in fear, in worry, in doubt, in guilt, in condemnation, in addiction, or sin adds up to wasted years that have been stolen from you let me ask you a question. Don't you want those years back? Hey, man, how many want some years back, some days back? Some of you won't raise your hand because every minute of my life has been lived with precision. Yeah, I believe that too, right? You want to, you got to have some years back. And here's what God promises, abundance. He promises contentment. He promises clarity. He promises honor. What if you could live your life with abundance, contentment, clarity, and honor? You see, Job thought his life was over. So much suffering, so much pain, even though he was in despair and did not he did not lose faith in God. All of his friends told him to turn away from God, but he loved the Lord and would honor him even in his pain. Job didn't know what God was up to, you got to read the last chapter to find out what God was up to. There's 41 chapters of misery. 
And then there's 40, chapter 42 is victory. See, God didn't know what he's up, Job didn't know what he's up to, but in the end, God blessed him with twice as much as he had before. Joseph thought life was over. He didn't know what God was up to. He was falsely accused, put in prison, but he never lost his faith in God. He was in the pit, but God was preparing for him a palace. You may not know what God is up to. You may feel like your best days are behind you, but don't worry. God has a great future for you. God is a God of, say it with me, restoration. Say it with me. God is a God of restoration, bringing peace, restoring lost years, lost time, lost energy, all that stuff. God can bring it back. You say, well, how does he do it? Let God figure that one out. I don't know how God does some of the stuff he does. And it's never the way I would do it. Have you ever noticed that? It's never on the time frame or the way I would do it. I'd say, I know how to get this done, God. Just put a million dollars in my bank account. We're going to be good. God says, I like to see you hungry. I like to see you walk by faith and not by sight. I like to see you trust me. I like to not I see you not have confidence in the flesh, but confidence in the Lord. Oh. Oh, I like a quick fix, God. Look, you didn't get in this mess quick. You ain't getting out of it quick. But you're, when you get out of it, you're going to learn something about life and about you and about the world and about me. And that's going to be more valuable than getting out of your mess quick. Now, you know I'm right. You may not like the, the, the idea, but you know it's right. Amen? This is what, but this is how God works. It's how God works. Let's stand with together. Before we sing, I want to just—I just want to pray a blessing over you right now, and then I want you to sing. I want you to sing like you're receiving the restoration of God in your life. Maybe it's been minutes wasted, years. Maybe it's a whole generation of your past that is, you say, oh, I don't know what happened to my family. It's a mess, but you're going to change the course of it today. You're going to change the course of a generation to come because you're going to stand in the gap for a future generation. You're going to see the blessings of God come on you. Amen. Let me bless you. God, dear God, I pray the blessings of God would fall. I want to impart right now generational wealth on this house. I want to pray, God, that the covenant will be a reminder to everyone here that God is faithful. God is faithful in everything we do. God is faithful. He can be trusted and that we receive you, God. Just say, I receive you, God, and all your blessings and all your goodness. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Let's sing together.